how do you hold court without a physical building? You know, that's, that's a significant challenge and, you know, problems don't stop. Crimes aren't, you know, don't stop being committed. Um, and uh, people still have issues that need to be brought to the court. Welcome to Jefferson Parish Pulse, powered by JEDCO, a podcast designed to showcase the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make up the heartbeat of the Jefferson Parish economy. I'm Kelsey Scram. I hope all of you are staying safe and healthy these days. The state has officially moved into phase one of economic recovery. That means a variety of businesses and industries are reopening their doors to the public with restrictions and limitations in place. This is all to keep employees and customers safe. You can see the list of industries allowed to operate in phase one in our Jefferson Back to Business plan on our website. Additionally, we've created a number of checklists to help businesses navigate the transition into and through phase one checklists to prepare your spaces, and also checklists that you can hang in your storefronts to inform your customers about the safety measures in place to keep them healthy. You can find those checklists and more on our website at jedco.org COVID-19 updates. It has been so fascinating and wonderful to see the resilience and innovation happening in our community throughout this pandemic. Businesses are pivoting to provide new services that keep people safe, or help industries reopen, or do things differently to ensure continued operations. In Jefferson Parish, the 24th Judicial District Court has implemented measures to keep the justice system moving during a really uncertain and challenging time. They've done this with the use of technology. I spoke with the Honorable Scott U. Schlegel, a judge with the 24th Judicial District Court in Jefferson Parish. He handles a variety of cases, including criminal, civil, and domestic, and he also oversees the reentry court program for Jefferson. He is a tireless advocate for the improvement of the criminal justice system, and it absolutely shows. He generously gave me some of his time to discuss the technology he's put in place to make it easier for the public to interact with his court during a pandemic, And he also talked about what we should expect as we continue to reopen the parish in the coming weeks and months. Well, Judge Schlegel, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. I know you're a super busy guy, so we appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Well, first of all, how are you doing? How are your loved ones, everybody staying safe and healthy out there? Everybody's safe and healthy. You know, it's obviously uh, starting to get adjusted to this uh, new normal and I have a, a teenage son, so uh, you know, homeschooling and uh, working from home, and the wife working from home, it takes a little bit of adjusting. I can certainly uh, <laughs> relate to that. I, I don't have any kids, but I do have a ninety-pound Great Pyrenees uh, that basically is the size of like a human person, <laughs> and my husband is literally three feet away from me right now, working on his own project. So yeah. we're. We're all we're all kind of in that that bubble together for sure. So <laughs> we're one of the fortunate ones. Uh, you know, we're healthy, we're safe, yeah. and uh, we're 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 blessed. That's wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. That's always you know the first question I ask is always how is everybody doing because this is just such a such a crazy 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 time and so uncertain and you know a lot of challenges that come with it. So I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing well. Um, before we get into, uh, really, I want to talk with you about some of the innovations that you've been doing from a technological standpoint, but uh, for our listeners out there, I'd just like to talk a little bit about the, um, the 24th Judicial District Court in Jefferson Parish and kind of some of the cases that you oversee. 
how does everything work for you guys? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we are a, uh, one of the largest jurisdictions in the state of Louisiana. We have uh, 16 judges in Jefferson Parish, and we are general jurisdiction judges. So we handle civil, criminal, and domestic. Um, so we have a very high volume uh, amount of cases and uh, just constantly handling anything from car accidents to um, multi-million dollar litigations to child custody and divorce, uh, possession of marijuana to murder and rape. So anything you could think of, we handle uh, a great variety of cases and very serious cases. I also want to mention, because this is just such a significant um, piece of what you do and something that we really love over at JEDCO is that you are over the Jefferson Parish Reentry Program, which helps ex-offenders learn new skills and identify job opportunities to help with their continued rehabilitation and reconnection with the community. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah, sure. So as you know, um, JEDCO has been a, a very big supporter of our efforts, uh, Jerry Bologna, uh, actually took a trip to uh, Angola prison with us many years ago mm -hmm. and uh, came back so impressed by the program uh, that we actually had it written into the EDGE 2020 plan for the next five years of the economic development plan. So it's an incredible program where we take nonviolent, non-sex offenders with sentences of 10 years or less. Uh, these are individuals who have uh, multiple felony convictions, uh, but if you understand the system and understand how high our recidivism rates are and how if we just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, that's just insanity. And so Reentry Court is saying, look, we're gonna look at this individual, we are gonna make a decision on this person and this case, we are going to consider the risks and we are going to say, this is your last chance. Now this is much different because these individuals are actually incarcerated for a minimum of two years at Angola prison, but instead of just sending them to jail for two years, they're actually learning a mm -hmm. trade, whether that's auto mechanic or horticulture or a welder uh, or a brick mason. Um, they're learning a trade so they can earn a livable wage that when they return. These are not jailhouse certifications, these are actual certifications. So my auto mechanics, work at Premier Automotive Group. They have jobs that um, are paying and that they have benefits. So not only are we giving them a trade so that they can earn a livable wage when they return, we're actually changing their hearts and working on their substance abuse issues and teaching them how to be productive men in our community. And actually our motto is no more victims. So if you understand the system and understand that it's 25% parole eligibility, so if I send somebody to jail for 10 years, they're coming in home in two and a half years. Well, I'd much rather send somebody to Angola prison, change their hearts, give them a trade, bring them back under intense supervision with the court and make sure that they are working or looking for a job, that they are doing the right thing, that they are remaining drug free. And if they step out of line, they'll be held accountable. So holding people accountable and caring enough about them are not mutually exclusive. So we do both and the reentry court program so that we can have no more victims. If I don't change your heart and give you a trade, we're just gonna have this recidivism over and over and over again, new victim, new victim, new victim, and a waste of our taxpayer dollars. So we do it differently with this subset of individuals, nonviolent, non-sex offenders with sentences of 10 years or less. This is just one of my, one of my favorite programs for, for multiple reasons, but also it's such a great way. You know, I, I remember we had done a couple of stories with some reporters last year where we were placing ex-offenders with 
at the at the Avondale shipyard. And so I just yeah. think, you know, this is such, these are skilled jobs and these are people who are going out into our community and doing really great work in, in areas where we need those very specific skilled jobs. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Host has been an incredible partner. I mean, our, our ranch Corps guys that are working for Host are still working during the pandemic. And without companies and partners like Host, you know, who knows what would happen? You know, our guys, some of our guys aren't be able to work. And some of them have backslidden and used narcotics, and we've had to hold them accountable. And so the fact that folks like Host and Premier Automotive Group and other employers keep them employed, that keeps them advancing to become a more productive member of our community. So um, we, we can't thank uh, our partners enough. Well, we can't thank you enough. What you do is just so wonderful. So I, I just, I wanted to make sure that we talked about that because it's, it's such a fantastic program and it does so much, not just for those individuals who are going through the program, but also our businesses that get the, you know, distinct pleasure to work with these guys. So that's, that's wonderful. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit and just talk about the pandemic. When COVID-19 pandemic began, how how were the courts affected? I imagine it was very similar to everything everything else that had happened around where things were shutting down, or how did that work? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's been a significant challenge like uh, everybody else. Uh, the How do you hold court without a physical building? You know, that's, that's a significant challenge, and, you know, problems don't stop. Crimes aren't, you know, don't stop being committed, um, and uh, people still have issues that need to be brought to the court. Thankfully, in Jefferson Parish, um, you know, we had been modernizing our system of justice, both in the civil realm and the criminal realm, for many, many years. Um, and so that enabled us to really um, never shut down at all. I mean, we have handled emergencies uh, since day one. And because of our technologies and because of our partnerships with our justice partners throughout Jefferson Parish, um, we've been able to handle much more than just the emergencies. You know, I like to tell everybody, Technologies are wonderful and great, but if you don't have the partnerships like we have in Jefferson Parish, they're useless. You know, our clerk of court, our DA, our sheriff, um, our public defender's office, probation and parole, uh, we have, and our parish government, we have such great relationships where we can say, hey, we need some iPads in the jail so that we can handle proceedings in the jail, done. Hey, look, the DAs and public defenders need to attend by video done. Hey, clerk of court, you've already modernized the whole system with your electronic e-filing system and judges can already e-sign and we already have all these things done. And how can we keep moving forward? And so that, that has been a complete and utter joy. So to your listeners, you know, the Jefferson Parish justice system and the partners have been working together for many years and the judges have been working really hard to keep the system moving forward um, by innovating, innovating, and innovating so that we can continue the people's business during this pandemic and post-pandemic. That is amazing. It is wonderful to hear. And I think our listeners will really appreciate uh, that information that this is, Jefferson Parish is, is doing it right. <laughs> yeah. So um, since this pandemic started, and, and I actually, my, one of my colleagues had suggested I reach out to you um, for this podcast, and I'm so glad she did, because when I started doing a little research, I was blown away. You've been featured by the American Bar Association, legal publications, and podcasts because of the innovative way that you've used technology to keep the court up and running. Can you talk about the ways in which you have innovated to maintain the system and hearings and check-ins through technology? And I think you touched on that just a little bit before, but we can certainly dive deeper. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, I've always said, you know, we are public servants and our clients are whomever they are that come before us. And how do we better serve our community and our clients? And if you strip back the titles for just a moment and look at the business side of what we do, how do we make the system more efficient and more effective? Um, so for many years, we've had the um, clerk of court, John Gigenheimer, put together an entire e-filing system and has digitized most of the records. So when I was elected in 2013, I met with our clerk of court and said, hey, why, why can't judges e-sign simple pleadings? I don't know, why can't we? <laughs> and so we had legislation authorized so that judges can e-sign all documents in the state of Louisiana. And because of that work seven years ago, we've been able to build on that foundation. And so if you have anything that you need to sign during the pandemic, we can sign those documents within hours of you e-filing them because I have an e-basket that the clerk of court built. As soon as something's filed, it notifies me and every other judge, hey, something is available to be signed and we can look at it. And if it's simple things like setting things for date or you know signing that will for you, you know those none of that's an emergency, but we can handle it because we have the technology backbone to do those types of things. Um, I've always thought it was silly that you have to call in to get a date for a civil case. So six years ago, I took that big red book that the clerk, minute clerk wrote, hand wrote hearings in and erased and said, hey, we're gonna just go ahead and put my calendar online. So for many years in my division, you can actually go online pick your own date, call opposing counsel, make sure it works for everybody, push a button, dump it on your Outlook calendar, and then they'll send you email and text reminders so that you can actually show up at the appointed time. And it has a video integration so that you can attend pretrial by video and not spend two hours plus parking. You can spend 10 minutes talking to the judge saying, hey, how you doing? Where are we on this case? Where are we going with this case? So it's made the system more efficient and more effective. I've built a number of websites, and we were actually in the process of building courtonline.us. So if you want to learn all about these uh, innovations, go to courtonline.us. That was a website that an uh, intern started for me. I finished and I built a few of them before that. And they're inexpensive. I mean, these products that I'm talking about cost me $150, $200 a year. And when you start scaling them, obviously the costs increase. But when you deal with the volume that we're handling, it's really nothing comparably to what we're actually able to accomplish. So now you can, again, um, because of that work that we've been doing, every judge is now set up for video conferencing. So you can handle all of your civil and criminal matters. Um, we've handled all the motions to reduce bond. We've taken remote guilty pleas. We've heard motions for summary judgments, motions in limines. You name it, we can do it and have been doing it during the pandemic closure. Um, all by consent for the most part. And now as we're going post-pandemic, how do you limit the amount of people that come into your building in phase one? How can you make sure that everybody coming is safe? So we've actually used a check-in system that we've been using for years in our specialty court world, where now you, if you wanted to go to court and you had a hearing, you pull up into the parking garage, pull out the app that we tell you to download, sign, it's online. You check in with Judge Schlegel and it shows me that you are waiting for me and then I'll let you know when it's time to come into court. 
so that we can limit who comes in and you know you don't want 10 people on an elevator right now and so that enables us before you and i got on that's what i was doing i was looking to see who checked in with our divisions and handling that so i'm not at court i'm actually not at the courthouse and i can see a hundred and some odd people checked into that courthouse they're going to these different places and we can try and limit how many go in to protect everybody better. Wow, I think that probably gives people so much peace of mind. <laughs> That's wonderful. It sounds like you've been kind of integrating some of this technology since the very beginning. So are, are you like a technology buff? Do you just enjoy the tech side of yeah, things? I, or? <laughs> I'm not a tech, I know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> So, you know, I just know that there's a better way. And I know in our everyday life, we use these products. You know, have you ever missed a dentist appointment? Oh, I haven't. You know why? Because <laughs> they text you relentlessly. I don't know what it is, but, that, but they do. So I have a hundred on my criminal case docket every other Thursday before the pandemic hit. Uh -huh. and so I started telling criminal defense, you know what it looks like when a hundred people show up in nine? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's... it's Mayhem, 15 people don't show, five are running, I'll send a warrant team looking for that five, 10 forgot, they just forgot. So instead of having 100 show up at nine, I now would say, you wanna come at nine, 10 or 11, it doesn't matter to me, I'll be on this bench from nine until 100 cases are resolved. You might have to drop your kids off at school, you might have to take public transportation, you might have to walk. Which one, what time do you wanna come? So they tell me the time, and before they leave my courtroom, I make them put their phone numbers and their emails in the system, and I send them text and email reminders so that we cut down on the failures to appear so that our police officers aren't wasting time picking somebody up on maybe a misdemeanor offense when I'd rather them out there on the streets handling the violent offenders. That is a $150 system that we use all day, every day in the private sector. So all I've done is reimagined and repurposed all of these off-the-shelf products and repurpose them for the criminal justice system and the civil justice system. For truly, I can build you a tech stack for under $1,000 a year wow. that would completely modify and change your system of justice. This, this is amazing. Are, other, are, are others doing this? I mean, I, 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 it sounds like whenever I was reading about you and what you were doing, that it's, it's really kind of at the forefront of, of the court system, the justice system. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think a lot of folks are now starting to realize, you know, I always like to say, run the, I'm trying to run the four minute mile so everybody can understand that it's possible and it's not that expensive. And once you've run that four minute mile, my 20 year project has become a two year project. And so I've literally done training webinars and written articles and, and just trying to get everybody up to speed um, so that we can start adopting these types of things and refining them and iterate and iterate and iterate so we can have something even better than we've built so far. I mean, it sounds like, like you said, there's a lot of this stuff that has already been in place, but how effective has it been in terms of maybe having more of these video conferences and things like that that might've been something that wasn't happening before the pandemic? Um, has it been, has it been as just as, as effective as when people were going into court for cases or how, how has this worked out for you guys? Sure, you know, again, it's, it's, it's enabled us to continue to move forward, um, you know, it's obviously more challenging and has slowed down the process. And obviously we can't get through the volume. Um, but I think that 
the more people utilize the technologies, the more efficient the process will become. You know, for the first couple of weeks and pro and still now we're still going, can't hear you, can't hear you, push, <laughs> push that button. Or, you know, you've got somebody standing in front of a window that, that blacks them out and you can't see them. And so I think as people continue to use these products and their bandwidth start catching up to everything and we understand how to utilize these products, um, it'll become a much better system. Um, will we use this for every case and every scenario going forward? Absolutely not. Um, will we use it a lot more to make the system more efficient and more effective? 100%. Uh, and then it just, you know, it just depends on the case and the type of thing. You know, if it's just a pretrial conference, there's no reason not to do this. Just to say, hey, how you doing? Where are we with this case? Sure. If it's a document intensive, you need witnesses on the stand and show them document after document you're gonna to have to bring that individual in. And maybe we modify it. You as the lawyer don't come in or you the court reporter don't come in or the minute clerk doesn't come in, but two or three people come to the courthouse so that we're still limiting the amount of folks that come into the courtroom, but we're still able to do it effectively um, because you don't wanna do video for everything. You know, you, you lose some things when it's sure. video. Sure. In the little reading that I did uh, before we chatted, I saw that Law Sites called your court one of the most advanced courts in the U.S. for delivering justice online. And obviously, that is a big um, a testament to you and the work that you have done. So how does that make you feel to, to, to have that recognition and to, to know that you're sort of on the, the, at the forefront of this? It, 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 it feels great that your, well, your processes are validated, and it also gives you the platform to help people see that that four-minute mile is possible. You know, that, that's, that's the greatest part about this, is that we'll be able to use that platform to continue to advance justice throughout the state and the country. Um, and so when guys like um, Bob make those um, unmerited comments about, you know, the most, um, the um, ability to then have folks, you know, I'm, I'm teaching a CLE in Maine tomorrow by video. You know, I've been, I've been, I've, uh, been interviewed by the Financial Times in England. I have uh, PABS and ABA. Um, somebody from Guam reached out. Wow. Uh, to somebody from Oregon. Um, and just that, that makes you feel good that we can make the system of justice as a whole, more efficient, more effective, so we can reduce the amount of new victims and better spend our taxpayer dollars. And again, that that innovation is, uh, you know, it's coming out of Jefferson Parish, which we absolutely love at Jedco. So, what is next? I know uh, you mentioned there there are a couple of systems in place now that are going to allow for people to wait, and so you can kind of let let people into the building slowly so that, you know, folks aren't getting on the elevators all at the same time. But where do you go from here as we move into the next phases of the pandemic and beyond? What is your, what do you expect? Obviously we have to remain fluid and we have to be able to adjust to whatever comes our way. Uh, the next step will be how do we try cases? Um, obviously jury trials are going to be very difficult. Currently, um, they are been suspended until July by the order of the Louisiana Supreme Court. So there's, there will be no jury trials occurring until at the earliest July 1st. Um, but you know, how do you do that? I mean, 16 divisions of court, 
how do you prioritize the trials? How do you have 80 to 100 potential jurors coming to the courthouse? And how do you separate them to keep them safe? And then how do you bring them up for a two or, you know, a six hour jury veneer where we're trying to select from 39 people and go to, you know, 13 or 14 people. And then from that point, how do you keep them safe for the next three or four days during the murder trial when you're sharing restrooms and sharing meals? So mm -hmm. it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be something that uh, we have to look at and consider uh, to protect the um, citizens who are coming uh, to fulfill their duty as jurors. Um, and, you know, some of the cases we can continue and not worry about, but others in the criminal realm, when there's a motion for speedy trial filed, we have a certain amount of days to get it done. And if somebody demands their constitutional right of a jury trial within X amount of days, we have to do it. Right. So we'll just have to, to figure out. And, you know, look, we're, we're already planning for it. You know, X amount of jury trials per week. Only these courtrooms because we have very large rooms that we can accommodate for. So uh, we've already considered it and looking at it and finding the best way to keep everybody safe. And we have the ability to do it on a limited capacity right now. Obviously, we can't open it wide open for everybody. So that's going to be the next biggest challenge. And then opening the building up further past the 25% uh, to I mean, the DA's office, the general government building, the clerk of court, the courthouse. They're all in that same building on, on 200 Dermony. So that's going to be a challenge as well. Absolutely. It's uh, it's one of those things, I think Jerry Bologna, who you mentioned earlier, my, my boss, he calls it the next normal because it, everything is changing so rapidly uh, day to day. You know, we just, I think none of us really know what, what exactly the future holds with this, but it is very um, heartening to see that our businesses, our, our, our justice system, everybody is working to keep our residents and our community safe. Yeah, no, uh, look, we're, the judges are working ridiculously hard to ensure that uh, you have access to justice and our community has access to justice. Just wonderful. Anything else I haven't asked that you'd like to mention? Anything you want to share? Um, I think we, you know, I could, I could sit here for three hours and tell you more, but I think uh, I think that gives you a, a big overview. You know, one of the one of the interesting things that we did post pandemic, uh, we have specialty courts. You know, all of our drug courts, our reentry court, our swift and certain probation. How do you how do you monitor 400 participants when you can't physically touch them anymore and physically bring them to the buildings and physically do the counseling? So uh, our counselors and our um, probation and parole officers have uh, really stepped up to the plate and have conducted virtual uh, counseling groups, virtual case management, one-on-ones. Um, and we actually had a chatbot built um, within three weeks uh, to act as an additional case manager. So now once a week, or depending upon how we set it, it'll reach out and say, are you okay? If the answer is yes, we're good to go. The chatbot says, good job, keep it up. You know, Make sure you make your normal scheduled appointment. If it says, if the response is no, the chatbot says, please call your counselor and gives the phone number so that that person can push the button. And it automatically sends a notification to our probation and parole officer and our counselor so they can reach out in real time so that we can hopefully address any issues that they might be having before there's a new victim. And so that enables us to, if that person's going down a, a cycle and might be close to using or has used and needs help, 
well, we better get it to them quickly before there's a new victim. And so a simple chatbot was built within three weeks to help us touch 400 people in real time every week. Wow. That, that is amazing. And that is, that was a result of the pandemic having happened. It was already on my list of things to build. Yeah. (laughs) Very long list of things to build. (laughs) So just not reprioritized. Never had time to get around to do it and uh, didn't realize it, but I reached out to my techie folks and they reached out to their techie folks and somebody said, I'll build it for them. So they built it for free and now they'll just charge us seven and a half cents per text. So yeah, it's an, it's an incredible tool in our toolbox. Is it what you had imagined it would be in terms of effectiveness? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've had uh, an, a few folks saying they're not doing okay, and our case managers were able to call and talk to them and address it, you know? Um, so it's been it's done exactly what it's supposed to do. It's, it's supposed to be there so that we can address things in real time before there's a new victim. And I mean, heck, I use Slack. So my entire team is on Slack. I've got eight different agencies that coordinate in real time all the time for post pandemic and because of the pandemic, it makes it even better because we've never stopped. And that's all because Slack or Microsoft Teams or any other collaboration platform that you want off the shelf product. This is so wonderful. I'm just, I'm delighted to hear about all of this. It's fantastic. I, I really am so appreciative of your time, so appreciative of the work that you are doing for um, our justice system and and for our community. Thank, thank you so, so much. Well, thank you for the opportunity to chat with you all. Thank you for all of your support over the years and uh, look forward to working with Jedco for many more years to come. Same here, thank you. Thank you. A special thanks to Judge Schlegel for taking time out of his busy schedule to be on the show. We are so grateful for the time, energy, and enthusiasm he brings in making the justice system accessible during this time. As I mentioned early in the show, we have a variety of resources and information available for businesses as they begin to reopen their doors in Jefferson Parish. We encourage you to visit our COVID-19 updates page at jedco.org COVID-19 updates. If this is your first time tuning into the show, thank you. There are plenty more episodes where this one came from. Our episodes are released on Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you stream your favorite podcasts. If you like our show, feel free to leave us a rating or review. Those reviews help others find our show and listen in. We share links to all of our episodes on our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at jedco underscore news and on Facebook at Jefferson Parish Economic Development. You can also visit our website at jedco.org. If you have feedback about the show or if you'd like to recommend a guest, please email me at kscram at jedco.org. I absolutely love hearing from you. As always, thank you so much for listening. See you back here next week.